0: Thanks so much for joining me, Adam. I usually like to, to start these conversations talking about an individual's journey and how they go down the path of, of really starting something that, you know, will hopefully impact people's lives, you know, and, and I think business is a powerful force for that. I think many people are starting to, to look at ways that, you know, businesses that they're either in or businesses that they want to start, you know, how can we have a social impact around this, right? How can we craft what we're building as a business? to really impact a, a person's life or a community's life or a country's life, right? There's so many different elements that go into impacting a life. So talk about Brick's Talk about the, the decision to, to sort of leave your job and go do this. And then the, the mission of, of the company and brand itself.
1: Yeah, thanks, Grant. I really appreciate the opportunity to come on and, and tell you a little bit about our story and what we're trying to do. The pathway is definitely not, has not been linear uh, by <laughs> any means. Maybe I'll just a quick little introduction. My name is Adam Mullins. Uh, I'm the founder of Brixelated. We are an early stage social enterprise whose mission is to make lives better with, with Lego. A little bit about our story in the background we have been creating products and services and experiences uh, since 2012, 2013. Um, mostly as a side hustle. We came in and started doing uh, and focusing and prioritizing on mosaics and group build activities. So in terms of uh, from a social enterprise perspective, our goal is to really put products and experiences out that that make people happy, that and improve lives that make people smile. And that in its own right, has been very reinforcing. The struggles that we've had, you know, largely come and are, are derived from the fact that I don't have a business background. So I didn't go to school, to, uh, didn't get an MBA. Uh, so a lot of what we're doing and what we're learning have been, essentially, it's been hit or miss, you know, learning from our partners and learning from, from our advocates and just getting as a lot, a lot of information about what's available and what's accessible. At the heart of it, when we started the business and formally started the business in 2000, 2018, we knew immediately that we wanted to be a force, use the business as a force for good. So what that meant for us is going out and doing research around the types of ways and strategies that organizations use their business to, to impact lives. So Mm -hmm. that, started from talking about, you know, the questions around, are, do you be, you know, how do you set up and, and, and the organization? Are you a nonprofit? Are you a for-profit? Are you a a B corporation or somewhere in between? So we went Mm -hmm. out and spoke with individuals in the community to try to get a steer of, and a starting place of what does the community really need? You know, what does the greater Dayton, Cincinnati, Columbus area need from a, from a business perspective? And, And overwhelmingly, what we were hearing was that there was not a need for additional 501 C threes in the right. area. There were need there was there's yeah. a need for organizations to come in and, and create, build a business that can sustain jobs, that can provide opportunities for gainful employment and to really stabilize uh, certain parts of the community. So we knew right away that that we were gonna play in that space and and be a social enterprise and aspire to. Doing as much good as as we could for the community and the individuals that live within it. Um, our question has always been how. You know, we are a solutions sure. focused uh, organization that we joke that is basically a yes company. You know, <laughs> a lot of our partners, a lot of our our uh, our clients and customers. You know, they come to us with ideas, and it's our job to really help create a great product or great experience based off of their needs and their specs that helps their clients, their constituents, or their consumers. So oftentimes for us, it's really navigating that. That uncertainty of, of, um, of what we do and try to do as much good and put as much positivity out in the world as possible.
0: And, and before we we started recording, you know, one of the fascinating things that that you had spoken about, and it's definitely a tough subject and, and can be a little difficult to talk about, but, you know, the opioid epidemic you had referenced had really hit Dayton, Ohio, you know, pretty bad over, over the last year's, let's say probably five, last decade, you know, maybe five to 10 years, something like that. Tell us a little bit about the project that, that you're going into now that looks at how can we use, you know, creativity and building with Legos, right, as a force to build a person back up, right, from from maybe you know their darkest point. Talk a little bit about that project. And I believe it's with the University of Dayton. Is that is that where it's going to be kind of held?
1: It's funded out of a new cutting edge treatment facility in Dayton, Ohio called One Fifteen, uh, which is Google or you know their, their parent company fairly funded. And if I take a step back, you know, and and talk a little bit about the business and, you know, when we're, when I'm thinking about how do we provide as big of an impact as we can with the the products and services and, and the business that as we're creating, you know, for us, for me, at least, you know, being from the Dayton area, went to high school there, graduated college from there, you know, I'm always, and like many others in the Dayton area, we're, you know, you're constantly thinking about what, what can I do to help? You know what can I do to take the skills that I have, the things that I'm passionate about, in the direction that I'm going to to really impact and and improve lives. And for Dayton, for a long time, Dayton the Dayton area struggled. Uh, the Dayton area got hit really hard um, in the early '90s and 2000s when the automotive industry kind of went belly up. The GM mm-hmm. plant left. A lot mm-hmm. of uh, a lot of jobs went lost. From an economic perspective, it it was struggling. I think that the data point going back to the 50s as Dayton currently has about 50% of the population uh, that it had at its height in the 50s which is which is startling when you think about the economic stability in the region and the, the cascading downst- downstream impacts of that economic instability so when we started thinking about the business and growing it and scaling it we knew that we were going to need we were going to need help so we we're going to need partners and organizations who shared our ideas and shared the mission and, and could prop us up and who, whom we could uh, help out as well. So we got really lucky that at the University of Dayton, um, there's this incredible program called the Institute for Applied Creativity for Transformation. You'll hear me call it IACT. Um, <laughs> the acronym. It's the other. The full thing is a mouthful. Uh, so IACT uh, is led by a really sharp guy named Brian Leduca. And he, he and the university are on a mission to really change and improve lives through 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 creative transdisciplinary thinking. So I got connected with him as an alumni um, and essentially over a couple conversations, you know, he and I got in a room and I said, Hey, this is kind of what I do. And this is the tiger I got by a tail. I don't really know where it's going, but I, I want to make as big of an impact and improve as many lives as we can. And he said, Hey, this is where I'm going. This is what I'm doing. And it just was a, it was a, a great fit right out the gate. So we started um, supporting university its students, that program, and we got introduced to the treatment facility over uh, the opioid treatment facility 115 through the university. university. University of Dayton. Um, It was a big, uh, important priority for the area and the region, and and we were everybody was making sure that, you know, it's getting off the ground and it's going to be as successful as possible, but it's a reflection of the struggle that Dayton has had for a while, particularly in the, um, in regards to substance use and opioids. So Mm -hmm. uh, 115 is designed to be a cutting edge uh, treatment and research facility for substance use and opioid disorders. Uh, Dayton is considered, you know, ground zero for the opioid epidemic. So from a city and a community perspective, that's an area that needs to be addressed and it needs Mm -hmm. to, uh, it needs support and it needs not just, you know, money and resources thrown at it as a short-term uh, fix, but this is something that's going, you know, it's going to need to be addressed, you know, for, as a chronic condition and as a long-term condition. And if that's the, if that's an area that Dayton needs support and help, you know, I naturally gravitated, we naturally gravitated to, fig- you know, having conversations around how can I take what we do and make a positive impact and change and help to the trajectories of the individuals going through those struggles.
0: So the idea of of the of the coursework is to occupy someone's mind. Is that sort of the, the foundation of, of where it all starts is to occupy as one mind to not think about maybe everything else in their life, right? To take a pause out of out of their their day and create something, right? You know, have a have a purpose for so many hours a week or something like that. Just talk me through sort of the I guess the side of it that that you're trying to not fix is a bad word, right? but you're you're trying to solve for I, I, I guess is what, right? Building of Legos can affect the mind. How, like, how is this beneficial? I guess.
1: If I take a step back, the idea that we originally had with 115 and through conversations right before COVID happened was to create a workforce development program where we would be one of the community partners or agencies that individuals going through and exiting treatment could work with us alongside us. um, And we could provide, you know, stable, gainful employment that supports, you know, their overall continuum of care uh, coming out of 115. Obviously, COVID absolutely. Destroyed that conversation pretty quickly when you know, people weren't leaving house and you know uh, economic impacts of, of that. We decided to start shifting into thinking about what sort of services, what sort of products, and and that c- could we provide that would be beneficial and a and a solid appropriate complement to the continuum continuum of care that individuals receive at 115. So 115 is a, an inpatient and outpatient treatment facility. So they have a, a wide range of both immediate uh, short-term and long-term needs for the individuals going through their programs. We had been working on this idea of a lego mindfulness class you know Mm. dating you know taking the idea that lego is therapeutic art is Mm -hmm. therapeutic creating Mm -hmm. is therapeutic so how can we potentially take that positive impact of essentially playing with materials playing with lego and wed that and into the treatment program over at 115 not necessarily as the main benefit but Mm -hmm. something that can occupy time that something that can occupy idle hands idle minds the The problem that we were helping 115 solve and we're currently helping 115 solve is, you know, what do what do individuals do in between their treatment? Right. So as as they have downtime, as they're trying to fill the gaps, you know, addiction is is an incredibly powerful physiological and, and psychological beast right? Mm-hmm. If you are, uh, as you're going through, you know, all the the negative physiological effects of withdrawal, you know, that that's something that takes you psychologically will keep you you know, mentally occupied and not necessarily in the most helpful um, and therapeutic direction. So what we were trying to do is one, be a an activity that individuals can do while on the off hours or in between their mm-hmm. their formal medical and, and psychological treatment at the facility. And again, grounded in the idea that, hey, we can provide One, if this is nothing else, it's something that's fun, something that will take a little bit of time, you can build, you are creating. Now, we also wanted to wed into that um, some ve- some skill development. So that's mm-hmm. where the mindfulness activities in, come in. So uh, there's a lot of very interesting treatment research coming out of the psychological literature that basically shows the, the powerful effects of behavioral activation, mindfulness, in, in, a, in addition to the, the traditional evidence-based treatments for, for addiction. So you know, essentially the recipe in the table was kind of set to see, okay, we have an area, we have a population that uh, of Dayton that obviously clearly is a priority to, to help. And then we have this product and we have this experience that we're pretty good at creating and developing mm-hmm. like that's wed that thing together. So that's kind of how the mindfulness classes came out. And if I were to explain or, or describe the mindful Lego mindfulness classes we have is that it's, you know, it's based off of a yoga class. Mm-hmm. So as you're coming wow. in, you know, you have a, you have a 10 minute, 10 to 15 minute warm up session where you know you're acclimating to the new environment you're getting uh, all your materials out. you're starting to go through mindfulness exercises like box breathing, you know visualization. We have a, a small uh, stretching component to that as well. So like any sort of any other physical activity, you know, building actually can start to wreck the the, the hands <laughs> and the back and, and the neck a little bit. So we wanted we wanted to to model we wanted to model the class after a yoga class so that you're coming in and you're preparing to do something right Just that act of preparing, Mm
0: -hmm, and
1: mm -hmm. and getting ready for something is is an incredible life skill, right? Think about how often we jump from, from task to task without actually putting the energy into getting ready and to preparing yourself for success. So we wanted to model that. We wanted to instill that into our classes where transitions from activity to activity, both into and out of the class are really important. So after the mindfulness component, then the, the, there's about a 40-minute window where we're actually doing a, a guided build activity. So individuals are provided with a personalized building kit. There's about 200 to 250 individual elements, mm-hmm. and we walk we walk our um, through our class. We walk people through the build. Now, the biggest difference that we have between what we do and what a, um, what other Lego classes do, and even a Lego experience, is as the people as anybody is building or going through their class, they do not know what they're building. <laughs> so okay. From it's a significant difference, it's, it's a significant twist because think about what that does and what that requires mm-hmm. you to do mentally, right? It requires focus, yeah, yeah. It, exactly. It requires that engagement, it, it requires the focus, it requires the ability for you to, to again for, forget everything that's yes. going on, for you to forget how you might be feeling physiologically, to forget or to kind of um, deprioritize you know the thoughts that you might be having again from addiction perspective. So that's a big shift for us. It's a very small twist, but it's one mm-hmm. that we think is incredibly powerful. So as we're going through this active build process, we sprinkle in a number of different learning uh, op- opportunities. So here we're talking about things like cooperation, critical thinking, problem solving, as as well as just some of those opportunities to learn more about Lego, to hyper-focus into you know, Lego colors, Lego terminology, build techniques. The idea, again, is to have people engage with our activity, have fun, build something, create something, learn something learn a little bit. And over time, you know, really ingrain that, that sense of completion, mastery, and confidence that you can do something, you can create something, you are building something. So as much as I hate to say, it's a, it's almost a metaphor for treatment. It's a metaphor for treatment.
0: Yeah. And I, I want to kind of highlight a little bit of, of sort of what they are building very hard to do. Does it take a lot of like time and energy and practice? Because I think there's so the potential potential, of so many different ways for a person to like create something out of Legos is a lot like painting, right? Like you could give 10 people a canvas and they're going to, and tell them to paint something and they're going to, it's going to look quite different on those 10 t- canvases, right? So yeah. the ability to do all kinds of crazy things uh, with Legos is, is fun and interesting. He gives an idea of what they're doing, but also what the company in general produces, right? And, and if, mm-hmm. if we're, if they were to come out this, Workforce development type training out of this into a into a job. That's the stuff they would be creating, right?
1: Yeah. So let's let's talk about the the designs and the build activity that our participants um, will will be building. So we provide a custom experience and a custom kit of 200 to 230 uh, Lego elements, and every session, our students, our participants are using that kit to build something new. So we've actually created. Mm-hmm a system where you're using the same materials over and over again to create new um, designs. So we work with a number of very talented designers, actually globally and internationally, who've helped us kind of create this program and this mindset of how can we provide a certain number of bricks that you can build a large number of designs off of. Mm-hmm. That allows us to mm-hmm. one, again, if you think about instilling skills, one of the most important things for us is after, after our, our our clients or our students or our builders finish the build, it actually part of the class is breaking that set back down to get to prepare yourself for the next class and the next build. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that in its own right, we think is very therapeutic as well. So thinking about, hey, I built this, I have the confidence and mastery in creating this. But now, hey, I'm, I'm comfortable, I'm okay, it might be a little anxiety producing to break this down. But I know that I'm going to be able to make something else during the next class, or the next participant's going to be able to use this kit. So the designs that that students and participants are building, uh, it really varies based off the kit that, that we that we provide them. Right now, we're operating and we're doing a lot of things that are creature or animal based, so like mm-hmm. uh, dinosaurs, sharks, um, chickens, you know, it's, it's just a little bit of everything that we can creatively package within this um, Lego building kit that we are currently using. Now, you touched on something really interesting, though, is, you know, one of the longer term goals that we have as a social enterprise is we absolutely love the idea of not only providing this therapeutic aspect and element into treatment programs but also then to be an avenue for individuals coming out of the program to either work with engage with us whether that's on a part-time full-time basis to do a, a variety of potential employment opportunities so whether that's you know with we, we love the idea of trying to wed and match individual strengths with you know needs within the organization. So if somebody has a really high interest and passion and proclivity to designing sets, perfect, let's get them that experience. If somebody is really interested in finding and, and creating new partnerships in the community, excellent, we can shape and design a, a workforce or a program or a pathway for that as well. So what we hope to do as an organization, we hope to be flexible to be able to best wed the strengths and skill sets of the individuals coming out of treatment to come work with us and find the right opportunity for them to come in and have a good positive success experience within the workforce with us. Because again, that transition is, is delicate. It's difficult. It's one of the, it has to be one of the biggest stressors that individuals have coming out of a significant life event, like going to essentially going to rehab, you know, coming out and reintegrating back into the workforce, reintegrating socially back into a friend or family network. Mm -hmm, You know, mm -hmm. those are, those are challenging times so what we hope to do is not have a you know a very one-to-one plug and play you're going to come out you're going to do this but we hope to provide a scaffolded experience where we can help support the transition support the treatment support the care that those individuals are receiving to help really put them on the pathway a continued pathway of of success
0: talk about the nonprofit fundraising side i think this is also interesting too Again, going
1: back to our business's mission,
0: we try to improve lives with Lego. And so we love the idea
1: of using our products, our sets, our experiences with our partners in the community to help raise funds, raise awareness, or you know help achieve the goals that they have. And have they, they've been set forward for them. Coming out of, coming out into COVID around April or May, you know, our, our business had to change significantly. Uh, and we started looking for ways not only to put out new products, but also to help the individuals in the community that were our biggest advocates, right? Uh, at the university, Dayton area was disproportionately hit with the, the COVID epidemic, particularly from an economic standpoint. So you know, a lot of our colleagues, our peers, our friends, our family were either being furloughed or laid off. So our initial reaction was how can we help, right? How can we put something out that, pe- that people are going to, one, smile at, love to build, really identify with from a, a set perspective, but also how can we use that as being a force for good? So the first set that we put out was um the Dayton skyline set. So it's Love it. a, yeah, it's about a I can't remember how many exact pieces it is. Um, but it's like 300, 350 parts. Uh, and and it's, again, if you're going to start anywhere, start from your hometown, start with the areas that you identify so with, cool. with the people that you care with and love. So uh, putting that set together, we went out and we reached out to the University of Dayton, the Dayton Art Institute, the Stratacash Tower is also all, I'll always know it as the Kettering Tower, mm-hmm. Dayton Arcade, uh, the Carolyn Bell Tower, and then a, an a art installation about the Dayton flyover uh, and the history of flight. So I, as an, You know, I, as a creator or as a designer thought of how do I, I personally identify with the city. How can I create a set that people will build and say, okay, this is, that's where I went to school. That's where I Mm love, you know, that's where my friend got married. That's where I started my first job. And that's the personal connection and the products that we create. Now, the giving component to that is we said, OK, we can create a great product. Who can we help and how can we help them? So we did two things. First of all, we donated um, right off the bat. 10% of every sale goes to the University of Dayton and the IACT program that we mm, support. Right. interesting So we thought, OK, financially, we can carve out a significant portion of the profits and just steer them directly into the organization that needs our help and assistance right now. Second is we started sell we were selling these both online and through some of the local retailers on a consignment basis. So we knew that our retail partners, again, many small businesses um, in the area were shut down, closing doors. You know, At that time, the, you know, there was no PPP loans, right? So people were really trying to struggle and quickly adapt to the economic downturn. So we said, okay, not only are we going to create this and not only are we going to sell this, but we're going to hand it over to some of our local retail partners on a consignment basis so that they don't have to sell it. You know, They don't have to have the upfront costs in terms of purchasing stock and inventory. And hopefully that gives them two things. One, a neat product and a, a, a neat cause uh, to attract potential Customers and then two, the financial ability to 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 help us move the product and raise funds. That's also financially attractive for that that retail partnership as well. So we do a lot of our business right now in terms of uh, working with. Uh, I think we have ten or eleven retailers now in the greater Dayton, Columbus, Cincinnati area on a consignment basis, where you know the terms are here. Here's our product. Put it out on the shelves. If you can sell it, great. You have. If it doesn't move, which hasn't happened so far, we'll come out and pick it up. But that's just again our way of of uh, finding that win win scenario of how can we as an organization a, put a good product out, make a little bit of money. How can we support the individuals and communities in which we're nested, and then how can we also support our retail partners? And 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 that dance has been challenging, right? It, it's a not. It's a not. It's a very non traditional model for retailers, right? And everybody totally. every every retail organization that we partner with, a lot of our, our advocates, you know, everybody is simultaneously trying to navigate COVID and the changes and what to expect. So if you put all that together, it's a perfect recipe for both frustration and confusion, but it's also an excellent opportunity to redefine how these business partnerships and and actually work and what what and how can we move away from models that worked before COVID? And how can we move into a more economical, uh, socially viable business model that supports everybody at the same time? So I, I love the ability to go out and talk to retailers and kind of start conversations, you know, from the ground up of saying what what do you need to have happen? Mm-hmm. What do, what works for you? And that's really. You know, we take a lot of pride in that from a business perspective, and and being that being mindful and trying to find the wins for us, our retailers, and our uh, and our customers.
0: So we mentioned the word Lego a lot, right? And I think it's it's interesting. I think to go into the idea that these these are actual Legos, correct? Like they are the Legos we think they are. Talk a little bit about that process of of going with that. How do you get around sort of the quote unquote IP? And I think it's it's kind of really cool that Lego allows other companies to kind of build on top of their brand, right? Almost as, as like, you know, the NBA officially licensed sort of things or, you know, like, so is that what it is? They kind of officially, they like have an open source sort of license to create certain things. Tell us a little bit about how that works. Yeah.
1: So we only use Lego brick um, and that's kind of the the first, first and final end all be all. And that's a very purposeful uh, decision that we made to, in order, you know, to think about what sort of materials do we use um, in creating our products and experiences. Again, it was one of those situations where if we wanted to be much more financially viable, uh, we would go to an off-brand or a knockoff product. For us, uh, really, it was a, it was, it wasn't even a, a question about which which materials or which brand that we were going to use. Because first of all, LEGO is is simply an incredible organization, right? They're the vanguard, they're the industry leader in the construction toy industry. Um, they're one of the most beloved brands and products yeah. uh, globally and consistently right over the last 10 or 20 years. We really identify with and, and love the idea of using Lego, not only because of their, their brand awareness uh, and their brand strength, but also because of their commitment to uh, the future. Right, they're significantly mm-hmm. investing in uh, overhauling their materials to move to more sustainable products. We respect their procurement process and uh, and the quality control in terms of what they're producing and how they're producing it. Uh, as a as an owner, as a founder, as a producer, we know that our products are going to be in the hands of individuals, kids, adults, adolescents. You know, for me, yes, we could make more money if we were using a, a knockoff or a clone brand, but heaven forbid, you know, a child, you know, happened to swallow a Lego. Piece, which happens from time to time. You know, I'm going to sleep a lot better because I know that Lego's done the due diligence and the quality control where the the product that they're putting out is safe. I'm more than happy to you know model that brand and model that that priority to quality control and safety. The other thing that Lego is really doing now is you know we share their mission to. Uh, to it overall to improve lives, right? So, Lego is sitting right now and really investing heavily at the intersection of learning and play. Uh, they stood up Lego Ventures in 2018 to invest in uh, up and coming businesses to try to find out, you know, how can we significantly improve lives through changing the way that kids learn, right? So, Lego Ventures is one avenue that they're going at uh, and really trying to change the dynamic of uh, the next. 10, 20, 50, 100 years about how kids and adolescents and adults learn. And we we love that idea. And we, we uh, really try to model ourselves after that initiative. Um, the other thing is, you know, just simply, you know, the Lego education program, I think everybody understands that Lego puts out a high number of quality products, uh, and now experiences with the Lego land and a lot of the discovery centers, but Lego is also a, a worldwide global leader of putting out quality material and and that support the art, uh, the educators of the world. So Lego education, recently put out uh, just a host of materials to help teachers integrate and embed, you know, Lego activities, programs, and curriculum into their classroom. And we just absolutely, we believe in the, the ability of Lego to change lives and Lego to be a vehicle and a material to help unlock that access. That said, we clearly operate in this very vague, un, you know, space of technically being a, a business that uses LEGO to make the world better. But we we also do everything that we can to adhere to the LEGO policies and procedures to do that in the right way to respect and protect IP. So LEGO actually puts out a, a fair play policy and guidelines, which is uh, uh, you know the legalese term of here's what to do, here's how to say things, sure. here the disclaimers that you are required to say. And so we kind of treat that as gospel. Uh, we try to uh, do everything that we can to tick the boxes and to talk about Lego and to use the terms and terminologies and the brands and the trademarks in accordance to Lego's own policy. You know, it's our it's our goal to really operate in as good faith as possible to that fair play policy, because again, we, we share the prioritization, we share the, the mission to create high quality products that are going to change lives.
0: Pretty interesting, man. I love, I love the, the idea of how did you even think about using Legos? Did you use Legos growing up as a kid? Like what was even like, how did you even know that you could use like fair sort of use Legos to start like, and create a, like a company, right? Like what did you have people growing up that use Legos and then growing up, you still use them and started building. And then you were just like, Hey, <laughs> we could use this for like, in a really cool way. And you know, their fair practices allow us to kind of, you know, build off what they built for you know, for so many decades now.
1: Yeah, it's been a journey for sure. Uh, I've always been a Lego nerd. I can I can remember some of the first gifts that I first gifts that I uh, received as a kid. And again, I'm an 80s kid, by the way. Um, so when you're thinking about, you know, early Nintendo, early Lego, the space police, I remember the the train sets and everything. And, and my earliest fondest memories are, you know, staying home as a kid, if I was sick, you know, the you turn the TV on and watch Bob Barker on The Price is Right, and you get your Lego out and you just it It made you feel better. That's, that's what I remember as you know, my Lego experience as a kid. It's always stuck with me. Now, the business side shifted or, or the transition, there's, there's kind of this really common experience within the Lego community called your dark ages. So essentially, as you play with Lego as a kid going up into adolescence and then you know, around 16, 17, 18, you, you generally stop playing with it. So we call that your dark ages. And then you can find the brand. You can find the enjoyment a little, a little bit later on in life you know, when you're not in college or, or not working. I found the brand again uh, when my wife got me a Millennium Falcon set, I think in 2012, and it, it was one of those things where I was working full time uh, in analytics and it was a very intensive client facing role. Uh, so I would come home after work and sit down and build and, you know, have a glass of wine or have a scotch and just kind of relax and decompress. And that's, you know, again, the, yeah. the I, I would, I would love to tell you, like I had this little aha moment where I was like, Oh, Lego can be therapeutic. It was more of like just my own personal journey going in. Now the transition from t- into a business perspective happened in, two 2013, um, when I was uh, my wife and I were living in London, and we were, you know, I, again I was built I was high high pressure job I was flying around traveling around a lot, and so whenever I was home I was building a little bit, and my wife and I were over there as expats, and we had a really nice flat in London and this you know, high ceilings overlooking a park, and it was only supposed to be a year uh, a year expat assignment, and my wife kind of looked at me and she goes, hey why don't we why don't we buy it why don't we buy a painting or why don't we buy some art we'll put it up on the wall and then we'll take it home. And we move back to the u s and we'll always remember our you know our our london adventure or european adventure and I was like you know, in the back of my mind, I'm going, oh, do I really want to spend what I think a painting yeah, in London right, is going right. to cost? I was like, oh, I'll was like, I was like, I'll just, I'll just make something, you know, I'll make, you know, I'll physically make something. And we'll remember that. And I was building a lot with Lego at the time. So I built a mosaic. Um, and it was definitely not what she was expecting. It was like a three panel Mike Tyson's punch out uh, with little Mac and Mike Tyson uh, mosaic. And I took it down to the high street art gallery and had it professionally framed. And I loved it. Um, it was the least efficient most expensive mosaic i built because i built it by hand and i probably bought you know five times the pieces that i needed but i loved the experience of sitting down and creating it and feeling like i yeah. was just able to focus in and and uh just disconnect from the the stress of the world for a little bit and you created so that, a memory
0: that's awesome and
1: i exactly created a memory uh, and and i also got the bug right so mm, after i built yeah. my first one i, I immediately built a larger mosaic of a Mondrian-esque map of the world and this thing's like 45 inches by 60 inches. I mean, it's a an absolute beast. And again, took it down to the high street to the art gallery down the road and had them frame it. And every time I started getting this uh this, you know, I was the American Lego guy, you know, walking into the, the gallery. And so every time I'd come in, I'd talk to the, the owner a little bit. And then the the third piece that we built, third mosaic that we made was of Afghan eyes. So there's this really iconic national geographic cover of. An Afghani girl, and her eyes uh, are are green, they're piercing. And I decided to make that one, and that's the one that my wife was finally happy and expecting, and, and looking forward to bringing back to the flat and putting up, you know, in the bedroom. So I build it, take it down to the high street, and walk in with it. And the gallery owner kind of pulls me aside, and he goes, "Hey, Adam, he goes, have you ever thought about selling? You know what?" You know mm-hmm. your your mosaics, yeah. your, and I kind of I kind of looked at him and laughed a little bit. I'm like, look, man, I'm I'm this data geek. Like, this is just my Lego <laughs> nerd stuff. Like we're in we're in the art capital of the world, and I am I am a data analytics guy. Like this uh, this is not my wheelhouse. He goes, no, I I think that there's going to be a there there might be an appetite for it. So it was Friday afternoon. He goes, I'll I'll frame it. I'll put it up in the front of the gallery in the gallery window and you know, over the weekend, we'll see what sort of, uh, yeah. appetite we get and what sort of interest we get. And I patted the guy in the back. I was like, Ben, I'll be, I'll be back on Monday to pick this thing <laughs> up. Right? I was like, there's no way that this is going to move. So Saturday, I get a call at 11 o'clock in the morning and the gallery owner goes, uh, I've already sold the window. I've already sold the one in the window and I've sold another one. How quickly can you make 10 in terms Uh-oh. of traction? <laughs> yeah. In terms of traction and like immediate, like market fit, right. I'm sitting here going, okay, we got something like the price point was okay. The market Margins were okay. Like this is something that I'm I I'm enjoying doing, and I I'm also a lifelong like learner. Like I love the idea of learning different industries, learning different businesses and brands. So getting into and understanding how the art world works uh, was cool. But we quickly uh, and. We, we quickly made and sold through an edition of, I think, 15 or 20 of that, which was great. Like I paid off my student loans. I brought my mom and my sister over for awesome. a week-long vacation in <laughs> Cyprus. And that kind of that, that set us on the course of the idea that there might be a, a viable business model here. So we were doing that mostly as a side hustle in the U.K., Uh, we were doing, you know, custom commissions. So I did a lot of portraits. Um, We were doing, we had some art pieces on, you know, smaller galleries around London. We did a couple art shows in Battersea. Um, I did a, we did a wedding, which was really fun where people would come in and everybody got the, they found out where their their, their table settings were. And then they built the mosaic at the wedding and the the picture was of the bride and the groom. So it was just constantly kind of trying new things and, you know, figuring out what works and what doesn't work and then going in so we did that from about 2013 to 2018 obviously brexit happens and that's one of the biggest pulls that brought us back to the u.s and at the same time we got a uh, we landed a a corporate contract to build for another lego artist and that was again another one of those data points for us to say okay there might there might be a you know a career of viable business opportunity. If you take what we can do from a personalized Lego perspective and also build for other people. And so the, the that entrepreneurship mindset of going, you know, can we sustain ourselves off right. of this was there, but it, it wasn't until we came back so we knew we had something. It wasn't until we came back and got integrated at UD and started working with IAC where we really sat down and said, okay, we have something, but how do we want to be a business? You know, mm-hmm, how mm-hmm. do we want to impact lives? And that's really where the push and the prioritization around being a social enterprise and being a business uh, for good came about. So as, as you can probably tell, like that story from our first mosaic to what we're doing now, yeah. we're, we're, we've been all over the place, but the common theme is, man, put a great product out, make people smile and try to improve as many lives as you can. The how how we're going to do that is going to change from day to day, but yeah. you know, at the heart of what we do, that's our mission.
0: Thank you so much, Adam. This was really, really interesting. It was really, really cool. How could people get in touch with you? Just email the website, social, anything like that that you want to, that you want to reference in case somebody wants to reach out and, and ask some more questions that I wasn't able to get to?
1: You can either contact us through the website uh, or social media. Everything we do is at Brixelated. We get and we encourage a lot of people coming in and just uh, reaching out to us. That's most of where our, the business comes from. That's most of where the ideas come from. Mm-hmm. Uh, and honestly, that's that's how we like to operate. We love people yeah. say coming to us and saying, "Hey, this is what we're passionate about. You know, how can how can we potentially work together?" And now all of a sudden, you're in this open, creative idea generating space that doesn't necessarily exist in the corporate world. Right. So that, that idea immediately at the onset of let's co-create together, let's find something together. Let's, let's build something together and and hopefully impact as many lives as possible. You know, that that's, that's fun for me. That's a great way to spend your day. That's a great way to spend your life.
0: Amazing my man. Well, thank you so much. Have a, have a great rest of this year and, and hopefully the next uh, you know, few years and decades here is, is uh is the best it can be, my man, and, and I hope the program goes well. I think we'll maybe we'll catch up when the program kinda goes through some phases and maybe you could see some some overall results and maybe give us some feedback on, on what worked and, and what didn't and maybe we could hear some success stories of, of people, you know, that you hired through the program and, and also good you know, some some other good things that came from it. So really appreciate you taking the time.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me on and I'd love to come back.